Pokeball Barstool. Alright, welcome back this week, as we do once a month, Andrew Foxwell. So, if you're not familiar with the format now at this point, um, these, I have two main guests uh, every other week. We've got John Robinson, who's my backup CEO. So we talk about a lot of business-related things, not necessarily Facebook. And then the other time, uh, once a month, is Andrew Foxwell. And this is where we get to geek out on Facebook ads-related things only. So that's what we're doing today for the first time in 2016. Uh, Today, a lot of stuff that Andrew wants to talk about uh, regarding some changes. So optimization changes, lookalike changes. Also, how to handle expectations for clients in Q1. How performance is just tends to be down during that time. Lots of stuff. Video. I feel like we're always talking about video. So really important episode today. Hope you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, pop a bottle. Let's do it. John Loomer Podcast. Yeah. Hey everybody, John here from JohnLoomer.com and John Loomer Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast, where each week I invite you to virtual pub, and we get drunk on social media. So, this is my favorite, or oh, I can't say favorite, but one of my favorite times of the month, JR get mad, actually I'll just say it's my favorite, <laughs> uh, when we have Andrew Foxwell on the show where we geek out on the Facebook ads stuff. How's it going, Andrew? It's going good. You know, I was thinking that we should have a jingle, that we don't have any, like, major jingle for this podcast. So this morning I woke up and I was thinking to, thinking about this little riff, which is the... Oh, sing it. John, John Loomer podcast. Yeah. Right? So if you want to record that, you know, I'm well, just saying... This, you understand this whole thing's being recorded, right? So, no, but I'm saying if you, want to, if you want to separate that out, make that into something really special... The John Loomer podcast, yeah. So uh, I, I made sure to shut up that time. So uh, <laughs> Dan, as you edit this, do what you will with that little jingle. I, I'm not even sure what we do with that. <laughs> uh, or or it could be something punchier like John Loomer podcast. I like that. So, so I mean, I, <laughs> maybe, I maybe, you, maybe it been, depends on the, the point of the show. Yes, I tell you, I've been getting. Uh, since since the podcast before we even get started, I just want to tell everyone out there uh, that that emails me um, after these uh, says that they really enjoy the conversation. I want want you all to know that's super cool, and please keep doing that. Um, and many of the things we're going to talk about today actually are things that many a lot of you email me about. Um, so I, I you know keep the conversation going. You know we're kind of all in this together, and I think. So one thing that makes it really valuable. So anyway, I just wanted to say thanks thanks for that. And from the outset, a lot of these are your ideas. So if you're listening and you're like, hey, that was my idea, you'd be like, yes, it is. It actually was your idea, probably, whoever when many of you are or were. And you're from all over the world, by the way. Our listenership is, uh, uh, you know, Australia, Denmark, uh, California, New York. Like, I mean, I had somebody uh, from New Zealand that contacted me. So, yeah, there's, it's pretty cool, uh, the, the listenership that, uh, that we get. So uh, thank you to all of you that, that emailed in. That's why I wanted to sing a little jingle to I, kind of begin in on, a, on an entertaining to, note. I would try to sing it, but it, it would be pretty bad. I can't sing it. Yeah, you don't, you, don't want, you don't want to be singing that. So you, you know how when people say, is it, so we're going to go on a complete tangent here. You know, people say mm-hmm. things like that, like, oh, I've got people from... Australia, New Zealand, it's really humbling 
But I feel like it's the complete opposite. Doesn't doesn't that make you feel like you're the best in the world when you have people from all over the place? You, you don't. Oh feel yeah, no. I mean, I think it's. I, I I think in the in the you know the word humble, it makes you feel like <laughs> humble. Like wow, I can't believe people listen to that. But no, it also does. It's it also makes you feel yeah like. I'm a stud. Makes you feel really. Makes you feel really cool. Yeah, I mean definitely. Well, the thing that you're always wondering, right, as a social media person is, and somebody that's doing Facebook marketing is like, are, are, is the way that I'm thinking about this fundamentally different than the way that other people are thinking about this? And I think if you're listening to this podcast and you do it on a regular basis, the answer to that is, is likely yes. I mean, you're, you're thinking about things in an alternative fashion, not trying to be a hacker, but you're thinking about it in a way that is a long-term play. Uh, and that's what you're trying to tell your clients. And that makes you different than 99% of the people out there. Slow down, man. Slow down. What are you drinking? Uh, I have a uh, Porter Joe, Wisconsin Brewing Company, and Barrique's Coffee House collaboration. Uh, currently rated very high on RateBeer.com, Porter Joe. Oh, good. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, Rate it's, Beer. It's, it's, that's, that's a new. One. I'm not. I'm, I was not. I was not familiar with that. Yeah, it's delish. Because I, I use an app. Oh, I can't even remember the name of the app. But now at you, use un, you use Untapped. Untapped, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. But uh, yeah, and and I had to break it to Andrew here before the start of the show um, on the last pub podcast that Jr. on, and I'm at least temporarily doing without beer. You know, the typical. I don't know if you call them New Year's resolutions, but realization we need to be healthy kind of thing and then we're healthy for like a month and then we say screw it but but and, and to be honest and I, I i did have a slip up because over the weekend watching a little bit of football i, mm. did, I did have a couple beers but i i didn't feel like completely crap the next day and i think maybe part of it's because i've been healthier overall so a little, little health tip be healthy or something i don't know but uh anyway cheers to you my man let's let's get this moving cheers cheers all right, so oh, and I'm drinking a tea. Everybody want to know that. So, so it is brewed. I, I brewed it this morning myself. You know, I've got my <laughs> own brewery kit for my tea. Um, nice. I you know, there's so many places to start here. I know there's a lot of stuff that you want to talk about, in particular, um, things that people have been emailing you about. So, I think I'll let you kick it off. What, what do you want to talk about? I mean, right away, one thing that uh, many of you emailed me. I probably had not many. I mean, I probably had five emails about this. Um, over the Christmas holiday uh, into, the, into the last week or so, uh, we're about this Q1, first quarter of, the, of 2016 expectations and what, how, number one, how you set those expectations and what key, first quarter looks like um, in terms of sales. Um, hmm. first, I mean, so people are saying, how do you set that table? I mean, a, a couple thoughts on this. One is, the first quarter of the year is not, it's not a time for high volume, yeah. right? I mean, you have consumer fatigue yes. um, from the holidays and there's generally, you know, I mean, you think about it yourself, right? You're not necessarily going on and saying, man, I need a bunch of stuff right. um, in, in January and in February. In March, it starts to get better, uh, but that's something that is important. And I think it's okay to, set that expectation for your clients to say, look, in the first quarter, naturally volume is going to be down. And if they have a business that's longer than, you know, two or three, two years old or a year old, they're going to know that that volume is down. And I think setting that expectation really comes down to helping them understand that um, this is a time to 
pull back and do more spot promotions and possibly do more experimentation around audience segmentation. Absolutely. So, so it's, it's how can you, in the first quarter of the year, one, plan out the rest of the year, and how can you have a system that is established in the first quarter of the year that's, that brings in top funnel people to get them familiar with your brand? Let's say, you know, Q1 can be a great time to begin developing that cycle so that by Q4, you're selling them products and they love you mm. and they're an advocate of yours. And this is an inexpensive time to do it. So the expectation is, I, I mean, personally, I tell my clients in Q1, if we can break even on spend and revenue, that's, that's great because what that allowed us to do is spend money to learn so that the rest of the year, we can go through this and be more effective in the spend. Uh, so I think that's some, some initial thoughts on kind of Q1 and, and setting that, that expectation. No, that's good points. I mean, um, I mean, talk about the consumer fatigue of uh, the ads. I'd go so far as advertiser fatigue in terms of just, it's crazy. Like I, I just stop, I, I take a break personally as an advertiser in January. And because I know, I don't know, maybe it's just a matter of sensing it, knowing that, look, I've been kind of killing it good and bad over the last three months running a lot of ads uh you know hitting people over and over i need to ease up but i'm also kind of tired of, of bombarding people with ads right now i'm gonna ease up um and so my january in general has always been quote unquote a down month whereas not really not just i wouldn't even say december is necessarily my best month but that September through December is usually my best period of time. And um, so it, it's a pretty normal cycle for me. So I guess an example of what I did last year, it kind of fits right, right in with what you're talking about. Um, January last year is when I, January and February, was when I ran that Facebook ads experiment. So, oh, yeah, right. So during that time, those ads weren't run at all, really, for selling stuff. It was just for you know, uh, giving people exclusive content kind of stuff. And I, I made way less money, especially in January, than I normally would. And that's why I had to go to Lisa and say, hey, don't worry, we're going to be okay kind of thing. <laughs> this, is a, this is a rough month. I'm spending all this. I actually spent a bunch on ads, but in a different way. Um, so, no, I think it's a good point to set those expectations because we really do need to kind of go in, in cycles and you can't approach every month the same. Yeah, and I, and I think it's uh, it's hard for, like if I run a business, right, let's say I sell, uh, you know, widgets, and my Q4 looks really good, one thing that becomes a significant challenge is I, I want to keep going, right, in Q1. I wanna, I'm like, oh, let's, let's keep it rocking. You know, and, and that, generally, you, it, it's, also okay and you may be more you I, I personally feel that you're benefited better in the long term if you use the first quarter to spend less to do more testing to do that to understand okay how am I going to bring people in that have never heard of me right. and make them familiar with me and make them familiar with what we're trying to do and you know if you look over that year arc or you look over a two-year arc of, of understanding that that's the type of, uh, of game that we want to be able to play in the first quarter of the year. And if people are saying we want to achieve the same sales that we did in December, um, in January, it's just not going to happen. 
and, and it's it, it's not. And so you're always going to be that's always going to be a problem walking down that well, path. And, and, and I'm sorry. And the other, the other thing is like when um, you're, are you going to because you're probably running discounts uh, in right. November December. So what you're just going to keep those going and going to constantly have you know big deals. Um, so you, right. it's it's important to actually go back to, to normal prices as well if you're a discount based type of you know retail. Um, otherwise, it's like, well, your stuff is always on sale, so it doesn't even matter. But yeah, and pr price is really interesting. I was talking about price. Price. I mean, it's, of course, an economics argument, okay. But just generally, price. If you if you enter into business, do you want to be the cheapest person? Right. I mean, ultimate. That's an interesting question, right? If clients will say, well, let's cut it down. Let's cut. I mean, let's do a fifty percent off thing. Well. Yeah. You don't. Why would you want to be the cheapest? It's not necessarily the, the good point. So that's another thing I think you can you can tell clients. Um, and I think this conversation leads slightly into the discussion of that somebody else, actually two other people, I think, emailed me, which is the question of when something dies, you know, a campaign dies, meaning, um, what do you do? I was gonna say you bury it, but you know, it's a campaign. <laughs> okay. You know, so like in Q4, things are running really well, they're running hot, and then come in January, things stop working. Um, and we've all had this happen, right? We've all we've all sort of had this thing, and we've seen it on the Power Hitters Club, johnlimmer.com backslash PHC, that uh, people will go on the Facebook group and say, help, emergency, my campaign died. And I, like, I've been there too, okay? And, um, and, and, and just on that topic super briefly, you could talk about this for a long time. But I think it's important to understand a couple fundamental pieces. One is to rebuild a campaign. If you go, at, if you actually rebuild it with the same images and roughly the same copy, Facebook knows that that's the same. Okay, so I, I don't, and, I, and people don't know this, but if Facebook's smart enough to know that that's the same historically, so it's not as if you can rebuild that from scratch and have it be the same thing. Um, although sometimes that will work in the short term, depending on if you have a very high-performing ad, um, it'll see that as a new ad. But uh, it's a, if something dies, the first thing you need to do is the most important part of your ad creative is that image, and you need to dedicate time and resources to gathering your images. That's like the first thing. Well, I think I'd counter that too is I'd say that not only does Facebook know it's the same ad, the users do. If you've been well, sending, right. I mean, if you've been the showing them the same ad for the last six months and right. you're still showing them the same ad they don't know if it's a new campaign or whatever like they don't care if it was working for you before they didn't convert on it during the last so this is one of the things that people don't understand about campaigns it's like it's the, the audience that people use is dynamic to a point in that if it's an interest or whatever there are people falling off and people adding on and, and Facebook's keeping it fresh so when you start running it um, it's a completely fresh audience over time, every day, there are more and more people that have seen that campaign multiple times. Um, so they think, and, and then all of a sudden, the, the, it dies, quote unquote, dies. But in reality, that new audience is probably still reacting to the campaign the same way as, as the other audience did when it was new. So it's still working in that way. It's just that you keep pounding the same people. Right. And, and I, absolutely. And, and that doesn't make sense either. And 
the second part of what I, I think is important to mention when something sort of dies is one looking historically at the audiences via the reporting breakdown to understand not just the audiences the creative too but to understand what are the CPMs that you that you see in reference to each audience the lower they are hypothetically the more effective they are especially if it correlates decently well the relevance score if you see something like CPMs across the account that are at you know, I, I don't know ten dollars and you see another campaign that's at seven dollars or another ad set that's at seven dollars and you look in the all the ads in that are at an eight out of ten relevance score you can start to draw that dotted line of okay that that's something we got to relaunch again um and so it's it's think it's looking at the audiences before you just say oh, these are the audience we got the best most conversions out of which is also of course and like that's a huge important key performance indicator but you also got to think about the you know take that a little further so that when you go you have that plan um, of kind of rebuilding of saying this is the audience I want to actually break it out this way um, and some people will con counter me on this but I also believe that looking at the device level is important and the OS um, if you see if you're spending a significant amount of money on mobile which a lot of people are mm -hmm. And you're doing it just to mobile. I know one argument is you give OCPM the cho choice to start running, and it just does its thing, and it chooses the best. But if you see, and I saw this the other day in an account that I was auditing, um, the, co the cost per conversion on Android was ten dollars higher than it was on oh, on iOS, right? So on a on an iPhone. So why wouldn't you, I mean I I understand you could make a volume argument, but wouldn't you sell? Wouldn't you rather sell something for ten dollars less and not get the volume? Right. Um, so that that's the type of thing that I think it's it's worth getting into because that's you're going to raise relevance scores doing that, um, and you're going you know, by by doing that minutia, and and uh, Facebook wants you to give them the choice generally, when, especially when there's high competition. But you're I think you're better benefited by being more laser focused when you do rebuilds um, and having those dollars be really spent the most effectively. Yeah, and when it comes to plans for 2016. The other thing I would say about campaigns dying, go back to not my last blog post, but the one before that, I challenge everybody to, to create an evergreen campaign, mm -hmm. one that will keep working and won't die on you because it's constantly a fresh audience. So that would be based off of, okay, you, it, it's just like an email funnel. So someone has opted in for something of yours whether it's a coupon code or a PDF or whatever. And immediately upon doing that, they're going to fall into an email funnel where we're going to start sending, I hope, we're going to send them, send them messages about, um, you know, make sure you check this out and, hey, here's an introduction to my product and, oh, okay, you still haven't bought, here's some more information, kind of stuff like that. We do the exact same thing with Facebook ads. So generate a funnel uh, based on website custom audiences that they've, landed on that success page for that opt-in. They're not never going to do it again. Um, so then you could say the first two days, show them this ad. Next two days, show them that ad. Next two days, show them that ad. And I can go through all the details on that. But that way, it's always fresh. Um, you don't kill people with your ads. You're showing them something different all the time. And then if they still haven't converted after however many days you think is reasonable, they fall out. And so I think that's, you know, absolutely. You know, there's there's some... Some things you should do to address a, 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 
a campaign that dies, whether it's um, checking out your ad reports and figure out what's working and focusing on that stuff and all that kind of business, that, that is absolutely important. But there are also things we should be doing, be more creative as advertisers to create campaigns that shouldn't die in the first place. Right. And, and and I think one big part of that, something we talked about, I think it was maybe three podcasts ago. So this would have been in uh, October um, in that podcast, which was that there's uh, the lookalike doesn't have to just be the lookalike. Uh, right. You load it in um, and you put your email list in there and then you create a lookalike off the email list. And there's many different ways you can use that, if you, especially if you have customer data, you can come up with the most valuable customers, you can come up with the customers that are in certain areas of the country or of your country, you could come up with, you know, you get where I'm going with this, you could come up with um, all different types of different lookalike audience modeling. And actually I heard this week. Uh oh, what did you hear? Uh, I, I mean, I heard through the grapevine uh, that Facebook is actively looking right now, or they actually are testing, um, a lookalike audience modeling that's, that allows you to select for what you want um, to have. So, uh, you know, th this is, for example, let's say you load in your lookalike audience. Uh, you get, uh, they're calling them weighted lookalikes. Mm -hmm. So you get to select the most important metric for you. Uh, which is like LTV could be an example, lifetime value. Um, you know, basically, they they will then create a lookalike audience based on that what you're what you're wanting. So you want high LTV people. On um, the example that uh, my source emailed me said, "quote Facebook will be able to see which users are high LTV, middle, low, etc. Then create lookalike audiences that take into account all that data. For example, if high LTV is females." 25 to 35, but for some reason low LTV is females with a high income, Facebook will know to target high LTV 25 to 35 who do not have a high salary. So it's lookalikes are obviously so effective because they're only to us. We only use, you know, we use them only um, in our accounts and they're proprietary to you. And so they're giving us more choices on this. And um, I've, oft, I've thought about that, you know, 1% to 10% thing that you dra right. like drag, I, that doesn't conceptually make sense to a lot of people. Um, and it, I mean, to me, it's like, it doesn't, I, I get it, but like, it's still kind of like, okay. And so it, being able to select for what you want makes way more sense. If you're looking for an engaged audience that looks once, you know, there's a post engagement audience, which I think makes a lot of sense in certain parts of the funnel, maybe you want to optimize for that. Um, so that's really cool that that's a possibility that we're going to have. Um, that's coming up in, in terms of changing and, and, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they've been <clears throat> they've been making some changes lately. They, they, that actually reminds me of a custom audience change that was supposedly happening that I, I haven't seen, but it might just be for certain um, certain advertisers where custom audience could be based off of other things like names and I, I don't even remember all this stuff. So basically you upload... Um, a CSV file, and it wouldn't be just off of the email address. You could match, so so essentially, it should increase the match percentage. Oh, okay. Um, because if you only if it only went off the email address, then as we know, it's probably about fifty percent. Then if you add in the names and like physical address and like all like all this other stuff that typically wasn't involved, um, th that was supposed to improve the match. So 
that's one of those things we heard about. And like, oh yeah, it sounds like a good change. I haven't seen it yet. Well, they're they're constantly you know they're constantly changing things. And one one article that recently really struck me that I read um, that actually we included in the Foxwell Digital Download, which is a secretive, very private monthly newsletter. Um, where, do pe- where do people Gracie, go for that? Where do people go? Gracie, my wife, and I are uh, putting, we've put together now the last couple months. You can just email me at andrew at foxwelldigital.com and, and we'll add that, add you to that. Um, but one article that was in there was, uh, it was a Slate article uh, with the, the senior technology writer for Slate uh, went and met with the Facebook newsfeed team. Uh, and interviewed them, and he they also did a podcast on the um, the Slate Gist podcast about this. A couple interesting things came of that. One leads directly into this t- idea of testing consistently, which is that there are a thousand different versions of Facebook newsfeed running at any time, um, which they they said is true. It's, you know, they're, they're constantly testing. Yeah. The other thing is that um, they admitted that humans are the best test that they have, and, and they, to the degree of which they actually even brought people together, something like 100 or 200 people in I think somewhere in Tennessee, and watched them yeah. use the newsfeed. I remember hearing about that, I think, yeah. And, and one of the side, just super side note, one of the funniest things I thought in that was that there was, they discovered that there was this subsection of users that they were calling super hiders. Mm-hmm. Um, these would be clean inbox people, right? Where you're always cleaning something out of the inbox and they're super hiders where they were reading every post and hiding it. Yeah. And they saw it as a way to, oh, okay, I'm done with that. Um, and so, so I think what, what's important for us to understand at this is that this all that this thinking, and I would encourage you to, to, to Google this article, just Google like Slate Facebook Newsfeed, um, is that there's this all translates into advertising as well, um, and the same type of philosophical thinking, which is they have algorithms within algorithms that are serving our ads, but it's a they're always looking for that human interaction too. And they have it with clicks and engagement and things like that. But now they're taking into account how long somebody's looking at it, you know, and, and, and they're doing that with advertising, which makes a case for making your ads more engaging and makes a case for why video ads are so big. It makes that case continually for, would I look at this for like longer than exactly. whatever? I mean, I, you still see so many bad ads oh. that just are images that just don't, they don't match the text and they, they're not that good. And I'm guilty of launching some bad ads. I'll be honest. Yeah. Like, and you and you launch them, and then you're like, "Why did that? Why put that out there? It's like a really bad ad. Right. I'm gonna change that." Yeah. You know, and so it's okay. Like, it's not you know, you know, and not everything you have to put out there is perfect. But I think it's important. And this goes to the earlier question of when something dies. You know, if something dies and you have had the same image for a long time, and you, I mean, why wouldn't it die? Yeah. Like, it's boring. The audience is showing that they don't. They're done with it. So um, I, that. Yeah, Anytime it, it's a good thing about the new. And I'm sorry, that, that's a good point. That's a good, that, that's a good point. And that, that, that is the type of behavior that we need more of from advertisers asking why, as opposed to being defensive. And like, why did Facebook suddenly raise prices on this? Those jerks, right? Uh, in reality, instead, actually trying to think about the process that may lead to that and the things that, that um, and like the way users engage with that ad that may lead to higher prices. And like, okay, now I'm gonna react as opposed to just being like a victim and being mad about it. And I think that's pretty important. Yeah, and I, and, and I, I totally agree. Um, 
the the interesting there's many interesting pieces to all of it, but I think my general philosophy is anytime I read something about the newsfeed uh, uh, and the changes in the newsfeed, it is going to be or has already been translated or has was led by, but they never said it publicly, an ads team. It's just, it's generally the same idea, right? There's yeah. obviously more complexity within the algorithms there with based on bidding and things like that. But that's something that I would that I think is really important. And just another t- side note from my source that I heard about on video oh, oh. was uh, about OCPM um, and the changes that they're going to go through in OCPM, um, which is kind of cool. Um, and I'll just read you this uh, this quote on OCPM. Essentially, right now, optimized CPM optimizes off a one-day click conversion, and they are now opening that up so that it's testing a seven-day click. Um, and so it's going to have implications around there's more data so yeah. the OCPM algorithm can work better uh, and the performance will hopefully get stronger or quicker uh, because there's more data in a faster fashion. So, uh, I mean, that just I makes sense. That just makes sense. I, yeah. I've never really understood that, you know, that, okay, you need to have whatever, 50 conversions a day 20. or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, yeah, it's silly, I think. And, I mean, it well, you know, it's fine for the big advertiser, but... For the small guy, especially if you're actually trying to optimize for a, a, a dow- high dollar price uh, product, you're not going to get that right. type of action. So that's a good change. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, one thing I would like to transition to talking about, that oh, okay. I hope it's cool, so, sort of along these lines about organic content leading into uh, paid content, which is video. Oh. Uh, and... Here's my, I've been waiting to talk about this in the podcast because uh, video is so interesting to me. And here's my general diatribe about video. Okay, here's my two minute spiel. What we've seen, we already know that, you know, Jason Stein, who is the CEO of Laundry Service, he had this article with TechCrunch uh, that was published, or an ad age, I think first, where he showed multiple news feeds. Uh, His account was seeing multiple news feeds, one of those thousand different versions that's being tested at any given time. It's natural that there's so much content now that multiple news feeds might make sense. Um, Side note, not related to this, that Instagram also is going to have an algorithm very soon. So just FYI, it has to happen. It makes sense. Uh, You look at right now, you load a video on your mobile device. What happens, a video a video feed, basically a separate experience of video shows up with more suggested videos. Um, so that's really interesting that they're for, they're not forcing you, but they're suggesting you into this video style of, uh, of more video and, and kind of wrapping you into that experience. Uh, you combine that with the fact that there's organic reach that's double basically on video from any other type of posts on the Facebook page. I mean, people see things differently, but it's, Right. usually double a link post um, in terms of organic reach. Then you combine that with the fact that you they're talking consistently about Oculus Rift, virtual reality, mm. and they're pushing 360 videos. Which, by the way, if you've not they're ridiculous. Checked, if you've not checked out 360 videos on Facebook, which is a Facebook page they now have, and they're sharing different people's 360 videos, I would encourage you to get that or check it out right away. Search it on your Facebook mobile device. It's insane. It allows you to have this immersive 360 experience. You combine that, combine that. So all these things added together with the with the 
multi-image carousels, right, which are this sort of video thing, and then you combine my final factor, which is an images you put into a photo uh, album that you can now make into a photo video thing, basically the, the like slideshow. Slide the slideshow, yeah. Right. Okay, so this is where we're going. It's not the link posts that will continue to live in, in, in this because getting people as that direct conversion driver is big. But if you are in your organization, whether you are in e-commerce, whether you are an event venue, whatever you are, if you are not integrating video at some point in your sales funnel, in, in the mid, top, wherever, low, you need to think about that in 2016 immediately. Because and 360 video cameras are only like three to $400 right now. I realize that's a big spend for some small businesses, but this immersive experience is where we're going. And that's what we're, that's what we're gonna be challenged with, which is the model of sending people from the link post ad to the website with some retargeting, that's nice. And that may continue to last through, through 2016. But if you don't have video as an integrated part of your strategy, definitely need to, um, because it's, a, it's all about this immersive experience that's gonna continue to take place that brings people into an understanding. And that's what Facebook wants to do. Um, and that's why they're doing brand lift studies on video and things like that. So I'm just looking at all these signs. They're probably obvious to many of you listening yeah. to this. To me, it's something I think it's, it's well, really important to think about as advertisers. You're right. And Andrew, I feel like you're talking to me because I keep, I, I just can't bring myself to do it. I can't. I, I experimented a lot with video in 2014. Um, so basically I did it a lot of it before some people were doing a lot. And then I had a goal. <clears throat> and I almost like videoed myself out. Like I, I was just exhausted from it all. And then uh, I was going to do more last year really never happened um i kind of got into periscope with the live video um i got bored of that you say i got bored of like first of all i got bored of um watching live video and like i'm i'm i don't think i'm creating anything that's all that interesting and i know this is part of us just beating ourselves up but and i was like you know this is, is this just a fad kind of thing um, but, you know, I know it's not a fact because like, you know, live video is big on Facebook now, too. And so I've got I just I think it's a matter of just sitting down and coming up with some sort of strategy, because basically what I've been doing with video, especially in two, since 2015, it, it, there's really no structure to it. It's like I'm going to experiment with Periscope here that, and, and Facebook Live here and whatever. Um, sit down. This is a kind of the beginning of the year type thought process is sit down and actually come up with a video strategy. What is it going to be? What can I commit to in terms of resources and time and effort and everything goes into it um, just to create a little bit of video? Right. And I, I, th I think that's the most important thing um, is uh, I was listening to a Harvard Business Review uh, Ideacast podcast uh, last, last weekend, and it was about goals and the, and the, the actual like psychology of goal setting. Um, one of the things I said is people tend people tend to, and I know we, we've done this, you tend to say, I want to do this as a goal in 2016, right? This is a unique period of the, of the year that we all do this. And you, and you make it a goal, and, and because of the, our nature, we pull it to an extreme. Yeah. So we're going to say, I'm going to do video every day. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a video every week. Yeah. And you know what's funny is Grace and I, when we put out the Foxwell Digital download, which you can email me to get on, andrewfoxwelldigital.com, 
we wanted to do it once a month. Doing something once a month is like actually outside of your normal things. Like actually, you got you got to work on it, yeah. right? Like to make it good. And so I think it's it's a generally a, an argument of quality over quantity. Um, and you're right about a strategy. How can you build that into what you're doing? It doesn't have to be long. Um, it doesn't have to be a lot of time. But how can you integrate it to round out parts of the experience that people are missing? Um, you know and Anyway, so that that's I think it's just I wanted to make a case for a video and, and thinking about it and in, in this year for a lot of people because that's clearly where many of these things are going. Um, you know, the fact that you can fly along with the Blue Angels in their three sixty. Oh, that's so cool! Thing. Like for anyone who, know, who, I mean, who has seen this, it's like amazing. like there's been so many things that have been released that are like, oh, this is like the most amazing thing you've ever seen, and you, know, you see it and you're disappointed. Well, it. I mean, it's, it's it's one of those things I can't even explain. I don't I don't understand the technology how they do it, but it's like you move your phone around as you're watching this video behind you up down so you can see all the stuff that's actually happening around this. It's just ridiculous. It's so cool, um, and so that's where we're going. Um, so so along the lines of uh, setting goals and not even so much setting goals, but understanding what you can do and having a strategy. Do the easiest thing first. And you talk about um, committing to 50 videos a, a week, or a year, one a week. That's exactly what I did last year. I said, I'm going to do 50, 52, whatever it was. And I, I don't know if I created one. Um, so, I, so for me, and it depends on you know what you're comfortable with and where you want to start, I'm just going to start with the easiest thing possible. So I'm not going to worry about lighting. I'm not going to worry about you know getting out the, the good camera. I'm going to just do some live video, live streaming, you know, prepare a little bit, but just to get comfortable doing that again. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's part of it. Just like, you know, getting co- comfortable recording a podcast. I think it was really good to do webinars, you know, just because it's, it's kind of the step by step by step. So I started doing some live video. I'll probably be comfortable doing some recorded video again. Um, but just get, kind of getting in the groove and, and figuring out what you're good at and, you know, getting the experience. That's what this, we talk about this all the time, failing and succeeding and figuring out what works. None of that happens if you don't try. Right, exactly. Well, and it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. So I know there's two other things you want to talk about. No, no, we don't have time. We don't have time. So you don't want to talk about it? No, right. we don't have time. But basically, we talked about a lot of stuff today. Um, just, just know everybody, Canvas, really, really cool. It's basically instant ads, kind of like instant articles, but not. It's it, it, well, again, we'll, we could talk about it another time. When I actually have this, I'll write about it on the site. And uh, audience overlap, which is, I think we make we're making too big of a deal. I don't, think, I don't know how cool it really is, but it's basically just a way to evaluate audiences of yours, custom audiences, essentially look like audiences, and save audiences to compare the overlap between them. Interesting little tool. So some 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 interesting stuff out there that we could talk about. But I don't want to abuse time here. We're already at 37 minutes. So, Andrew, you've already snuck it in there several times throughout the episode. But where can people find you? <laughs> My email, Andrew at FoxwellDigital.com. And, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. I'm trying to sneak it in there because I just I really enjoy hearing from everybody. So that's kind of why I wanted to put that in there, not just at the end, uh, because it's fun to, to continue the conversation with other people. And it gives us fodder in this podcast to talk about um, things that are really valuable to you so anyway yeah that's why i wanted to sneak it in there you know i totally skipped our last call too and 
I'm, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't bring my wallet. You mean to take care of my tea? Oh yeah, I mean, that's no problem. That's no problem at all. I, I already, get, I already paid the bartender. Oh man, I appreciate that. Can you, uh, yeah, can you finish this up with a little jingle? Oh no problem. <laughs> I think it's something like social media, John Lennon podcast, yeah. podcast, podcast. Boom. Thank you to everybody. Hey, have fun, have fun in Hawaii. Hey, thank you, everybody. I'm going off to Kauai tomorrow. So aloha and mahalo at the same time. All that stuff. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Great stuff once again. Thank you to my man, Andrew Foxwell. And if you have not yet connected with Andrew, do so. The man's awesome. Love having him on. Um, I feel like we've got to throw that jingle in here somewhere again, right? That was good fun, fun stuff. All right, so thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, do awesome things. I'm out.